Turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 5. I don't know if you've figured this out yet, but I like to preach on stories in the Bible. It's, it's kind of hard preaching now and then to speak through a book. And, um, and I like chapter 5 in the Gospels. Don't, don't ask me why. It just turns out that way. Um, I like Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. Don't get any better than that. Uh, Mark 5, you remember two or three years ago, the demoniac. And, and the Lord saved him, transformed his life. What a great thing. And today we're going to look at a fishing story. There are several of them in the scriptures. But this is one we're going to look at today. And John chapter 5 is a great chapter on the deity of Christ. I'm telling you, it's powerful. In this passage of scripture, let's read together. Luke 5, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 5. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, that's a great statement, isn't it? He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came, and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. Let's pray. Our Father, we are so grateful today for the privilege to gather here together with those who know you and love you. And Lord, there may be some here seeking, uh, interested in the gospel. We pray, Lord, today that you will meet with us and do what only you can do, transform hearts. Lord, I pray you will help me. Help me, Lord, today to be true to the scriptures. Help me, Lord, to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the word of God. And Father, we just pray that you will help us today, that we will be able to leave being challenged from the word of God to walk with you closer than ever. By your grace, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. About 100 years ago, maybe a little more, the story, and it's become a legend, was told of a man named Paderewski. He was a Polish pianist. He was a man that was given the great gift of being able to play in concerts. And there was a mother who had a child who had just started taking piano lessons, a little boy, and she wanted to take him to this concert. She 
finally got two tickets, and they came to the concert, and there the crowd was gathering, and it was growing bigger and bigger, and she finally found a way up close to the front so her son could see and hear well what was going on. And there she met a friend of hers, another lady, and they began to talk. And just like little boys, he couldn't be in the conversation, so he thought he'd be a little adventurous. He was amazed at the size of the building and the people were gathering bigger and bigger. But most of all, he saw this piano sitting up on that stage, and that was an amazing. It was bigger than this, and it was a grand piano. So he got adventurous, and his mom talking, did not see. He slipped out, found his way up to the stage, come in on the backside, and saw that piano, and he slipped out, and he sat down. And behold, he started playing, twinkle, twinkle, little star. And the crowd was aghast. Some laughed, and some became a little angry and began to call for him to come off away from that piano. No sense of a little boy banging on that piano. And Paderoski heard the commotion, and he went up and looked out the curtains, and he come out immediately and came to the little boy and came up behind him. And rather than doing what they thought, they thought he was going to shoo him out. Uh, he got down, and on the left side, he told him, he said, keep playing. Don't stop. Keep playing. And he began to fill in the bass. And on the right, he started filling in the running obligata. Is that right, sister? That sounds good anyhow. That's what I read. And, uh, but nevertheless, uh, the, the crowd was mesmerized by this thing going on on stage. This little boy who could only peck with one finger, uh, twinkle, twinkle, little star. And the people were amazed what went on. And after the second verse, Paderewski stood him up beside him and they took a bow and there was a standing ovation. Now there's a commercial out on TV to encourage folks right now by the Pass It On group. I don't know about all theirs, but I saw this uh, about a year ago, and it just amazed me, and I thought, man, what an illustration. That's a great illustration. I went in and started looking where this come from, found out it was a true story from 100 years ago. What a picture of you and I that know the Lord Jesus Christ as we begin to serve him as best we can with the gifts that we have, Though they are frail at times, most of the time, as we serve the Lord with a pure heart, listen, I believe with all my heart, he reaches in around us and fills in the base, and he does all that makes it a great thing. And I'm so thankful for that today. Listen, the word of God is powerful. Uh, we read, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And God can use his word through people who though we do the best we can, we know we can't really do the work of God. It's his work. Now he's chosen to use us. That amazes me. I find that in the scripture so many places. I even find this in Ephesians chapter two. It's grace. It's not our works. And at the end, he works in us and he works through us. And I think that's a wonderful thing to be used by God. In this story today that we're going to be looking at, that Jesus is going to paint a beautiful story, I want you to look and see that, how true it is today. Now look at verse 1 with me again. On one occasion, we're not told how far this is from chapter 4. Uh, he's been in Peter's home. He's healed Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, there's been more than one occasion he's been with the Lord Jesus Christ already. But on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, stop right there. I'm so glad 
people come to hear the word of God. I'm, I, I, I'm so thankful for this church. Now, John, don't take this personal. And I know you shouldn't, sister. You're a great pianist. John's not a, he's not a song leader. But listen, people don't come here so much to, to hear the song leader, but to sing the songs of Zion with the word of God in them. And to hear the word of God. And I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm telling you, that doesn't go on in a lot of places. You'd be surprised today. But here in this passage, these people have come out and they're on the seaside and they've gathered. It had to be pretty early in the morning to hear the word of God. This word of Jesus is spreading all around. And here we find in this passage of scripture, uh, this statement. By the way, this statement by Luke. Did you know that Luke wrote over a quarter of the New Testament? Now, he didn't write the most books. But material, God used him to write 27% of the New Testament. And 17 times in the two books that he wrote, he uses this phrase, the Word of God. And I think that's important. This may be the subject matter he is speaking on. We're not sure what he taught the people. I wish I did know what the message was, but I can tell you one thing. He's going to illustrate it right now in a moment. He's going to paint a picture that is so powerful and he's going to take it home, not only for those who had gathered, but for those who had not necessarily gathered to hear him speak, but they were there. They had fished all night. And it was more than Peter, James, and John, and Andrew. They had helpers on their boat, as we'll see in a moment, had to. And here in this passage of Scripture, we're confronted with the subject matter of the Word of God. Now, I don't find today with the people that I run with, and, and I certainly have no problem. I believe this is the Word of God. I absolutely do. I have no problem with that. And most Christians I meet, uh, and, and, and you, if you have some thought about that different, you certainly are different from the leadership and probably most of the folks here. We have no problem with the fact that the Scripture is the Word of God. Where our problem lies is when the Scripture starts asking personal things of us as the Word of God, and we struggle with it. Now, I do. I'm not going to tell you that I'm somehow everything the Lord's told me and shown me in the Scriptures, I've just fallen in line. That is not the case. Uh, it, it's been a struggle all the way through, no doubt, for the apostles and all. Peter talks about the Word of God, and he talks about Paul in Second Peter in the last chapter. He said, you know, some of the things Paul taught, they, they're tough. They wrote. He wrote. And they are. Uh, that's some of the things Peter wrote that are pretty tough to me. And as we think about that, that is the struggle. It may be a doctrinal problem. I've struggled with this. I did not believe exactly about all doctrine uh, 40 years ago when I started. Um, I did not believe things just as I do today. The scriptures were clear. I was immature in the faith, and as I studied and continued to study and follow the Lord and preach and teach, I have taught. I taught Romans chapter 9 one time years ago, many years ago. And when I got done, I went back to my office after that message. I said, Lord, I promise you I'll never teach that passage again until you show me something. I don't think I understood it as well as I thought I did. And there are struggles. But it may be in the area of this thing of, of spiritual exercise. Turn with me to uh, just a moment. I'm, I'm not going to be there long. First Timothy chapter 4. I want you to think about this with me. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, having nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. 
Rather, train yourselves for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for this present life and also for the life to come. You say, Pastor, I am sure glad that that's for preachers. I think that's for everybody. I do. I believe we all need to have some. And by the way, there is nothing wrong with physical exercise, probably more than it would have been in that day because we have cars that take us everywhere. I even got a golf cart. I don't walk across the yard. I get in the golf cart and ride. And, uh, and, and, you know, we have a little problem with that, so we probably need to do a little more of that. And by the way, if they keep on, our cars are going to have pedals in them. We might get some exercise. I don't know. I'm talking about pedals like a bicycle to run it. But I'm going to tell you the most important thing is spiritual exercise. And here in this passage of Scripture, it tells us we need, we're commanded, I think very clearly, to exercise in our spiritual walk. That can be through several ways, in so many ways. Number one, reading the Scriptures. If the Scripture is the Word of God and faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans chapter 10, it sounds to me like everybody needs to be reading the Scriptures. Uh, John, when he spoke of reading the scriptures on a regular basis as they did in the Old Testament, they didn't all have copies. We have copies. I've got copies in, 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 in different translations, and I've even got some study books of the original language. And I'm telling you, I've got no excuse. And I, it's a battle. It's a battle. And yet we need that so desperately. I believe this book is the Word of God. But listen. Are we reading it? Are we studying it? Are we asking God to help us understand it? That's spiritual exercise. And it's listen, it's vital for this time and the time to come. Maybe we take up where we left off in heaven learning the truths of God. I'm assuming maybe it may be something like that. Praying. I believe in prayer. I believe God answers prayer. I believe what God says in his word about it. But my problem is, is practicing it. We all need that. We desperately need that. It may be witnessing. By the way, in this passage, you can't get out with it. You can't get away from it. These guys are fishermen, and Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishermen of men. You say, well, that's for the apostles. It was for the apostles. But I don't think it stops there. You need to go back and read in Acts chapter 7. Thank God for John when he went to that book. helped me so much. But Acts chapter 7, from chapter 1, remember what the Lord told him. He says, you'll have the power of the Holy Spirit. You go into all the world. He starts out with Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Samaria, and then into the uttermost parts of the world. And they had no problem with Jerusalem. They stayed there for a long time. They shared the gospel all over Jerusalem, but they wouldn't go anywhere. Chapter 7, Paul of Tarsus and the leaders come and they kill Stephen. He's a martyr. Paul's holding the cloaks of those, hailing them on. He deserves to die. As they're killing him, chapter 8, the Lord turns Saul of Tarsus loose on Jerusalem. And friend, let me tell you something. What he had told them to do that they were very negligent to do, the scripture tells us that they, the people, fled and went everywhere as far as Samaria preaching the gospel. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. The people, the congregations, those who had heard the gospel and had been saved, now they've gone out and they're preaching the message of Christ everywhere. That call is for all of us. And as we look at this word of God and we hear these things and these great truths, it's a challenge. And let me tell you something, there's not a better exercise than sharing the gospel. Listen, I believe this so much 
that I want you to hear it and understand the word of God, that Jesus Christ died for sinners. And if you will come to the place and realize you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself, you can't make up for any of it, but only trust what Christ did for you and he will save you and transform your life. Now, I want to tell you something. If you ever get that out to someone, and especially somewhere down the road, you see fruit immediately. There is nothing that will energize you and build you up as a, a believer more than that anywhere. By the way, it starts at home with your children and our families. Thank God for, for uh, Julio and, and Marjorie having an opportunity to share with their family this afternoon. I hope the Lord opens that door for them to do that very thing. So when we're talking about the power of the Word of God, the power of the Word of God, it is powerful. And it's not only powerful in this book, it's powerful when it is put in practice and it's the exercise of a Christian. Let's look at the scene in verses 2 through 11. I love this passage of Scripture. Verse 2, And he saw two boats, Jesus, by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put it out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Why in the world... We find all these people in the Bible sitting down teaching. We had to stand up. I hadn't gotten that yet. And uh, as I get older, that becomes more important. I think that is a doctrine we need to pick up on. But anyhow, here's the scene. Jesus is teaching the people. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew have fished all night, and they are good fishermen just like me. They caught nothing. My wife and I went fishing again this week. We, uh, we love going fishing. We, um, we're no good at it, absolutely. We don't claim to be any kind of commercial person. At it. We like hanging out together. I caught something this week I've never seen. I've seen a picture of it. But I, I'm telling you, I caught something almost scared me. I caught a horseshoe crab. That is one utterly ugly creature. I'm sorry, Lord. But, I mean, he is, he's ugly. He's a great big old shell. You turn him over, and he don't have just two, two pictures. He's got them all over down there. And he's got a tail about this long. And the guy standing next to me said, I don't know if you know it. said, you better not let him hit you with that tail. You're going to be in big trouble. And it took a while to get him loose. But these guys went fishing and they caught nothing. And they're cleaning their nets. Now, cleaning the nets means a lot more than just what we would think of. They're not out there just rinsing them out. All the debris that floats through the tides come through and got in it. Some things they may have snagged the net on and ripped the net and they have to mend it. That's all part of the cleaning net. It took a period of time. They were working hard. And Jesus is preaching, and he wants a place because the people are crowding him so close. It's hard. It's hard when someone's right in your face to, to speak to a large crowd. So he gets into the boat. He asks Peter, Peter, could I use your boat? Would you just push me out just enough to give me some breathing room here? And he sat there, and he talked to people. What a glorious thing that must be like with Jesus Christ sitting there in front of you. And if you ever come to understand it, every word he says is true. Every word that he says is profitable. And all he sits there and he teaches the people and, and these guys are just working, not expecting anything to happen from this. And I don't know how long he taught, but he was there for a while. I don't know if he got hungry. I, I don't know what happened, but when he finished teaching, he called Peter, actually Simon at that time. He had already named him. Ray Summers in his, uh, it's, it's a great outline that he gives in his commentary on Luke. 
he gives you all the details where they had met before and the things they'd done. We know in chapter 4, back in verse 38, that Jesus had been in Peter's home and healed his mother-in-law. But now the challenge comes. Look at verse 4 and 5. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, We toiled all night and we took nothing. Remember what he called him, Master. But it's your word. I'll let down the nets. Now here in this passage of Scripture, Jesus turns to these men that are fishermen. And I want to tell you, as I continue, I don't want to forget to tell you, I think it is such a wonderful thing that Jesus did what he did in dealing with these disciples as he prepares to call them into the ministry. He did it with something that was their livelihood and that they were good at. See, we keep griping about the things that we are not real good at. I don't see how I could do that for the Lord. Listen, Jesus gives this story, and we have it here in this passage through Luke, at the very thing that these men were known for. They were fishermen. And how hard is Tell someone, we fished all night, and we didn't catch anything. Now, I, I don't mind saying that. We went fishing, and we stopped by the fish market on the way home. <laughs> I'm serious. We bought some shrimp. And, uh, and I was sitting there thinking about this message when we did that and, and looking at the nets on that boat. The great big ship was right there beside where they went out the night before. And, um, and, and I was just I was thinking about some of these things. Peter's a little troubled with all this. i tell you what he was thinking, probably. Now, he didn't say these things out loud or we don't have them recorded. Now, Lord, you're a carpenter. You're a great teacher. You may be a prophet. I mean, you, you are healing people and by God's power, and we're, we're amazed. But Peter's probably thinking, but Lord, I'm a fisherman. We just did this all night long. We know this work. This is our thing. And you're telling me to go back out and do it again? And he's no doubt troubled about it. Some scholars, now I, I don't bank on this. Some scholars say there was more to it than that. About three or four of the, the very scholars I read on said, listen, for what they were about to do, they had the wrong nets. They had the night fishing nets. You will read that in several commentaries when you come to it, and a couple other things about it. And, and by the way, fishermen do have all different kinds of nets. I was sitting there looking at that ship, and there, I counted about four or five different kinds hanging up there on the mast. Some were for smaller things, some were for uh, daytime fishing, they say, and some for night, some were shallow nets, some were deep nets. And it's possible that Peter's sitting there thinking, listen, we don't even have the nets for this. He doesn't say so, but there's one thing for sure. He's doubting this big time. That is clear in this study. And here's something real troubling. Peter was just like us. He's about to cast these nets out, and he's just fished all night. And in his mind, we're not going to catch anything. And these people know we're fishermen. Our, our reputation's on the line here. They're going to see. They're still there. I don't know. There must have been at least hundreds of people gathered there. And they're going to see me do the stupidest thing I've probably ever done in my fishing business. But I like what Peter said. Lord, nevertheless... 
we'll, we'll go and cast these nets out. Amen. By the way, I'm, I know that was very unconvincing that he had any faith in this. I think it was Philip said, whatever you say, Lord, in his translation of this passage. That's what you say do, I'll do it. But one thing for sure, he did it, and that's the good thing. And see, that, that's where we are. You say, well, I, I'm just not gifted to be serving in a ministry in the church. Listen, if you will peck out your little twinkle, twinkle, little star the best you can, if God has opened the door and called you and given you opportunity to do, sit down and peck it out the best you can and trust him to make it work. Now, these men are gifted, and they pretty much have to do the very same thing here in this passage of Scripture. And it tells us as we go on, look down in verse uh, 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And we'll stop right there. These guys uh, do it, and now they see the power of God. J.C. Ryle says, Peter now sees that Jesus has power even over the creatures. He had power over sickness uh, sometime before. In chapter 4, we're given that. And now he's beginning to see as they grow and as they spend time with Christ, he even has power over the creatures. That's an amazing thing to me, and he does. He's the reason I ain't catching no fish. And uh, not really. But, uh, but honestly, that is true. And here in this passage of Scripture, we see it so great. The lessons that we will learn here as we look at this passage of Scripture. It's an amazing thing. Peter and his helpers were overcome with the catch. They caught and began to fill the boat. And, and listen, the boats look like they're going to sink here in this passage of Scripture, we're told. And when Peter takes it all in, Peter's very... He's quick. He don't think about what he's going to say before he says it. He's one of those guys. I know Peter. I'm, I, I've had that problem. I have been had to be stood down a few times in my life. Say, so you need to think about that. But immediately, Peter, when he takes this in and sees what has just happened, even in his weakness and doubt that it could happen, this multitude of fish, he goes and he falls down at the knees of Jesus, and he said, Lord, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. How true that is. I'm amazed that God uses anybody to preach the gospel. I really am. And I'm double amazed that he's ever used me. I, I, I'm, I'm amazed because of our selfishness and all the things that go on. And here in this passage, Peter just, he can't believe this has happened. And he falls down, but here's what he sees. He don't call him master now. Oh, Lord, curious. Peter's, he's, he's moving forward. He's growing. He's beginning to see this is more than a mere man. And he cries out, depart from me, because I'm a sinful man, O Lord. And here in this passage, the scripture tells us as we read on, notice when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at the knees saying, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. 
Now, here in this passage of Scripture, we find not only did they catch these, they caught the biggest catch of fish they have ever caught in all their business. And when Jesus is done with them, I want you to notice what's going to happen. They walk off. They left it to their helpers, no doubt, James, John, Andrew, Peter, have the best day they've ever had. Then they walk off because they realize this must be the Messiah. And they follow him here in this passage of Scripture. And Jesus promises them, he says, listen, he says, follow me and I will make you become fishermen. Oh, Lord, what a great truth this is. And there are a lot of lessons from this passage of Scripture I want to share with you this morning. And I'm going to be as brief as I can, but I want you to listen to me for just a few moments. Here's our struggle when the Lord shows us what we need to be doing personally or we get an opportunity to call. We have this problem with, I'm scared I'm going to offend someone. I'm scared nothing's going to happen. Listen, if God gives you opportunity and me opportunity to share the gospel, something's going to happen. You may not see it. By the way, it was just as much God's will the night before when they caught nothing as it was this time when he obeyed the word and went in and let down the nets. Somehow in our minds, we think when we are doing things and we're doing things with the right intent and maybe doing them the right way, it ought to always work out. If it did, we would never grow in the Lord, that's for sure. We'd become self-centered, self-sufficient, and we would not know how to serve the Lord. We'd be serving ourselves. I believe the night before, just as sure as Jesus brought this school of fish in for these people, I believe the night before, if they tried to come this way, Jesus was showing them, saying, go away, not today, tomorrow, I want you over here. He said, I don't believe you can do that. You need to read the book of Jonah. I believe you can do it. Listen, you need to read the, the, the John gospel, chapter 21, the closing one. There they, they, Jesus has resurrected. They don't know what to do. He's not with them anymore, so they go back fishing. The only time recorded they did that at all. It was only temporary, believe me. And they're out there, and then all of a sudden, John, the younger guy, looks, and he says, that's Jesus that's showing. Peter, again, he's impulsive. Man, listen, he, he grabs his outer cloak, puts it on, and dives. He forgets the net and dives, goes to the, the shore to see Jesus. Now, he probably wished he hadn't when he got there because Jesus is going to confront him. But I'm telling you right now, as, as we see this, we need to understand that it don't matter whether we see it or not. I have tried all my Christian life to be a witness, and I've failed a lot. And I'm not saying that any way except just the truth. There are times I've had opportunity I wish I'd have said something and I didn't. Forty years ago, right here in this city, I worked for a company and I serviced in this city. There used to be out on 70 over there a state barn, I believe it was called. Some of you remember that. That was my last customer on Monday. And in the Christmas season, there was always, most time I had a key, I just went in and did what I had to do and left the building. But at Christmas season, they were so busy, they needed so many, some of the other employees come in and work during the day. And when I got there, I will never forget it, there was a red-headed boy there. He was probably a little younger than I was, not much younger. I'll never forget it. And I kept my own time card. I was totally honest with my company. I never beat my company out of time. Listen, it's not right to do that, even to do a spiritual thing. Need to be fair with the bosses. And I'll never forget, I had this opportunity. I'm, I'm taking care of the linen supply, bringing in the tablecloths and all. I got to know him, and he was taking a break. He wanted to talk, and we started talking, and I talked to him about the Lord. 
and um, shared the gospel with him. Nothing happened. And um, next week I come back, he's still there. And he didn't run to the other side of the building. That, that's a good sign that he's probably maybe willing to listen. And I asked him, have you thought about any of the things I shared with you last night? He said, I thought a lot about it. And then the third week, he was still there, and he still wasn't running. So we sat down and talked, and this guy broke down into tears. I thought, maybe I've messed this guy up. I'm going to get in trouble here. But, but listen, this guy, he says, what do I need to do? And I told him, and he cried out to the Lord and asked God to save him. And he disappeared. I thought, man, we're going to sit here and rejoice and talk about it. No, he disappeared. He ran in the building, called his wife, who's been praying for him for years was faithful in a church right here in this town. And he had a time with his wife. Now, I got to see fruit, and what a blessing that was. But most of the people I've ever shared the gospel with, never heard from them. But that don't mean that God didn't work. This woman had been praying for her husband for years, has probably given him the gospel many times. He has probably gone with her to church at several times and, and heard the gospel clearly. But that day, God finished the work and did what he was going to do, and he was born again. Sometimes what you do now, it may be years down the road. I had the last customer on Tuesday in LaGrange, North Carolina, an old farm boy. He and I hit it off good. We just talked, talked, talked. Thomas was his first name. I'll never get him. Not married. He was about 35 years old and had a big farm. We just talked when I got done with the work there and, and chat, and I started talking to him, and he was very open. I talked for I don't know how many times I talked to him about the Lord. Never saw a thing happen. God called me to the ministry. I left, went off to college, and um, there was a death. One of the times we came back home in LaGrange of somebody I knew went there. I walk in to the thing, and there's a guy almost hollered across the room, and it was a funeral parlor. And he called out my name, and it was Thomas. He's, and he told the lady with him, he said, there's the guy that led me to Christ. I said, what are you talking about, Thomas? He said, man, I got saved later on. And he said, man, God has transformed my life. He says, it's such a wonderful thing. You don't know when you share the gospel what the Lord's going to do. Just because you don't see it happen right there don't mean that God isn't going to do it in a very different way. Oh, I plead with you today. Listen. This spiritual exercise is a great thing. It's good for us. God uses it. And you say, I'm just, I don't know that I'll be any good. Just pick out your little twinkle, twinkle little star and trust the Lord to reach around. Can I tell you something? He's the only one can save anyhow. All you can do is share the word. And I'm not saying to you, don't, don't try to be as good as you can at sharing the word and, and all that. I, I think we ought to try to be the best we can. But you need to understand, I don't care how good you can talk. If God don't save them, if you do save them, they ain't saved. And I've done that. I've taught a lot of folks, got good at getting people to pray prayers. That don't work. Listen, give them the gospel and let the Spirit of God do what you can't. And that'll work. I'm so glad. Coming up on 43 years, he caught me. And if you're saved today, I hope you are. I hope you find something happening this week that you just kind of rejoice. I'm so glad I'm saved. I don't know how to deal with this. But I want to ask you a question. Has he caught you? 
By the way, you say, Pastor, I thought this was a vocational thing. I hope and pray. The elders and I have prayed in this room over here, wherever that room is with the couches. We've prayed, God, please call some of our young people into the ministry and our young men. We wish God would do that. I don't know that he's dealing with anyone. Listen, if that call comes, don't be afraid of it. See how big God is, and you'll catch men. And if you've never been caught, and here's what I mean. You know that you can't save yourself. You know at the best you, day you've ever lived, you're not good enough for God. And you will believe that Jesus Christ died for you, paid the price that you cannot pay. And if you'll trust him, he'll save you, and he'll transform your life like you never dreamed. May God help us today. Lord, thank you for the word, the passage. I pray, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts today. Help us to trust you as has been done through the beginning of this church to this day. And we pray, Lord, that you'll continue to bless us. May we hold dear and sacred the word of God. And may, Lord, we find your strength and wisdom to be able to put it into practice in our lives personally. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.